going, Mr. Fat Jack? Back to the dock. It's only a few miles. I can swim it. I'll be back with the little boat. The little boat? And welcome back to Top Shelf Tom Hanks Filmography. Feature filmography. Feature fishography. Fish. Ooh. No, no. Tom Tom Hanks. Hanks, The Tom Hanks. Feature fishography. Feature fishography. (laughs) Tom Hanks Feature Filmography Podcast. Top (laughs) Shelf. Yes, here we are. Yay, we're back again for another episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. And as if you can't tell by the fact that there is no delay Mm -hmm. and our um, energy is slightly higher than normal. That means TC and I are back in the same room. Hello, holding TC. Hands. Hello, Jeff. We've been holding hands for the last two and a half hours, all during the course of this film. That's how we watch the movie. We That's just, what we just, we, yeah. we sit there like an old couple on a couch. No, you know, like an up when they're sitting in their two chairs and they're just reading the books. Oh, and yeah. And they just reach out and they hold hands. Yeah. That's what we did. That's what we did the That's entire good. time. And you know what? Yeah. Our girlfriends are okay with it. <laughs> well, we'll see. What did we watch today? <laughs> well, this week, we watched together, literally having just finished it, mm-hmm. we watched the 1984 number three movie on this list, mm-hmm. Ron Howard's Splash. Ron Howard, his his, his feature. feature film debut movie, at least, well, he did some TV movies, yep. but this is his feature film debut. Right. Obviously, Ron Howard, for those, well, people know who Ron little Howard, Howard is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little from, Ronnie Howard from, from uh, Andy Griffith, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he from uh, anything else? No, he didn't do anything. He was like a good 15-year gap there between okay. being a little kid right. whistling and nice. directing a movie. But you know who was the, didn't have enough screen time this. Henry Winkler. Clint Howard. Wait, oh, Clint. Oh, <laughs> was Henry Winkler? I didn't see Henry Winkler anyway. <laughs> Clint, on the other hand, that guy, that's a face that only belongs in the movies. Yes, that only gets, <laughs> mother doesn't care for it. It's, uh, like, it's like wine, it just gets better with age. <laughs> Splash! <laughs> that was a good way to start. We watched Splash, man. I, first impressions right off the gate. I remember watching this movie, mm-hmm. I remember it being on TBS. Okay, so you didn't see the boobs. No, I didn't see the boobs. There's a, by the way, there's a lot of boobs in this. No, nah, there's more butt in this than boobs. I suppose there is a lot of Daryl Hannah butt. Yeah, but there's not a lot of like, like, okay, I found it fascinating that none of the main characters sexualized her. Yeah. Now, not necessarily because Tom Hanks had a lot of sexual relations True. with her off screen. Off screen. But when Tom Hanks sees her standing there after she saves him, He's not like, oh, you're naked. He's just yeah. looking her right in the eye and thinking, oh, did you save me? Yeah. Do you speak English? Come back. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> and screams like Tom, yeah. classic Tom Hanks. That was more Jerry Seinfeld scream. I'm working at it. <laughs> Come back. We have at least 50 more movies for me to figure out. <laughs> if and, you don't get it by the end, the yeah. people, the listeners are going to be very upset by it. And, and even, even as pervy as Freddie, John Candy's character is, there's no, he doesn't sexualize her. No. Eugene Levy is staring at her through the glass and he's looking at her. It says, I thought, I found that rather interesting that uh, for, for a movie being about a naked woman a showing naked up woman on Ellis Island. And a mermaid. Yeah. Two things that are very like high on a list of things that you can like, oh, I was going to say you could sexually fantasize about, but that sounds weird, weird about a mermaid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally, and you know, actually I didn't make that connection that Freddie was the one that was like, did you see how happy, did you remember how happy you were the, when you were with her? Like yeah. she legitimately just makes you happy. And like Freddie shows up. The first scene we see John Candy, not, not when he's a little kid, Freddie, right. throwing coins to look under skirts. <laughs> the first thing he shows up, he gets out of his car and is like, Penthouse published me. Yeah. Right? Like, so he's obviously. He's a perv. He's a perv. He's a perv. Right perv. off the bat. 
<laughs> but the fact that he's able to be the one, be like the the voice of reason in that yeah. relate in that family dynamic. It was interesting. It's, it's a, Sorry, I jumped way ahead into the conversation you did, here, but, but it's a good thing to bring up right off the bat on this on this movie because it is a okay. So this is a PG film. Mm-hmm. It's it's PG. There's no swearing in it. There's a couple uh, of couple, GDs, a couple of GDs. That's couple true. Of GDs. And if I think there is an S word. I think at least once. Tom Hanks said a little shit. I'm not gonna say it this time not because this time. <laughs> I'm not gonna censor it. That's what happened last time. Uh, yeah. Um, but um, yeah, there's not a lot of swearing. There's not really. There's some. Top, there's like a couple topless moments of Daryl Hannah because she is a mermaid. She's mm-hmm. not wearing a top, mm-hmm. of course. They don't have clothes where she. They don't have clothes from. exactly, and that's a skills. key point in the film. Because uh, they only work for it too. <laughs> Shake my head at it. Shake my head. That was a good joke. You watched this. You saying you watched it on no. TV? Right? Yeah. So I only I remember watching this a lot of times on TBS and like TNT back in the day and like. I think it was even on TNN, mm-hmm. way when it was still the Nashville Network. Whoa. For those of you Whoa. who are old enough TNN. to remember what TNN was wow. before it became the National Network and then it became Spike and now it's Paramount TV or whatever. I don't I remember. Who has cable anymore? Nobody cares. <laughs> um, people are, people, the people who are listening to this are going, huh? what's a channel? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like a YouTube channel, yeah, but you know, like but, they tell you when to watch what yeah, you're watching. I couldn't choose my own stuff. Anyway, I digress. I remember watching this as a kid. I didn't remember half the stuff that happened in this movie. I think I only saw this once before. Really? It's funny because I actually got a few tweets from our listeners. There was a, just a couple of people, I think I had three or four, who had fond memories of this, who talked about this was a movie they'd seen a bunch of times. Yeah. Jessica, one of our friends, commented that she, this is a movie she'd remember seeing a lot when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh and I, I really only think I've ever seen this once before. I remembered a couple things. I remember Freddie throwing the coins to look under the skirts. Uh, I remembered the bathtub moment where her fin comes out. I, which I remember that scene. I remember the pretty much the general plot of it. Like I could remember like little. So maybe I did see it more than once, but I don't know. I think I, I only have like a memory of maybe seeing this once before. So this was relatively a fresh um, viewing of it, mm-hmm. you know. But well, uh, I guess if you're talking about that, then TC, like, what exactly is the plot of the ah, film? <laughs> Since you remember most of the general plot, mm-hmm. tell me, what is okay. the plot of this movie? Uh, so Tom Hanks plays Robbie Bauer, who at a young age, on a trip to Cape Cod with his family, fell into the water, um, I, drawn to the water for some reason. And right. underneath, he's saved by a little girl mermaid. Fast forward 20 years later, him and his older brother, played by John Candy, are now in charge of the family fruit and vegetable business. Mm -hmm. And Tom Hanks is kind of, uh, he's unhappy. He's unable to commit. He has a girlfriend who breaks up with him over the phone because he can't say, I love you. A very... The Fonz Henry Winkler type thing, <laughs> because the Fonz would never. I'm you're you're giving me some knowledge here. I didn't. Uh, is that from Happy Days? <laughs> yes, actually from Happy Fonzie Days. <laughs> you couldn't say I love you or like, yeah. Oh, what a what a dude! I know, right? He's from the fifties. He wore a leather jacket. <laughs> so, uh, Tom Hanks in his depressed state um, goes back to Cape Cod, drawn there for some reason, uh, ends up back in the water and is rescued by the very same mermaid, now twenty years older herself. Mm-hmm. She finds his wallet, follows him to New York, and thus becomes a a, a proverbial a fish out of water story, if I may. Ooh, mm-hmm. I'm docking you a point yeah. for that. Uh. If you're not gonna let me <laughs> let me let make a comment about her working for scales, you cannot make this a fish out of water story. <laughs> and it, uh, it's a, even <laughs> he falls. They fall in love, and she has a secret she's not telling them, and it's the fact that she's a mermaid. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, would you say they fall head over tails in love? Uh, I would. <laughs> mm, hello. Do we have a do we have a ringing count of uh, fish puns going here? <laughs> um, and uh, so it's pretty pretty much that's it. That's the plot. It's a you know man falls for fish, fish falls for man. They they run off to the ocean together, live happily ever after. Yeah. Um, it's uh, just under two hours. Yeah, it's an hour forty nine. I think. It, funnily enough, this did not feel the length the last two movies. No, <laughs> like, this not, movie. I, I was actually. <laughs> Like, oh, it's done. Oh, all right. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Right. We're moving on. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's it's this um, you know romance. It's a love story. It's a it's way more silly than I thought it was going to yes. be. Yes, it's silly, but there's also points in the movie, and I made this note. Like, it it's silly, but there's moments where it gets very serious, very fast. Yeah, they, and then generally breaks it out of it and it becomes silly again. Because honestly, when he's trying to get into the bathroom, the first time that she goes in the bathroom oh, to yeah, take yeah. a bath at night, and he's like, you know, like kind of joking, but he's like, "What's going on?" I'm gonna break down the door. Like it, the tone shifts very quickly into like intense, intense. Like, I'm gonna break this door down. Yeah, and and it just it it. But then there's like a joke, or then they're like, oh, no, we're yeah. back to normal, we're okay again. Like it's funny how drastic that shifts, and I feel like with a lot of because it is, yeah, because what you already called it, it's a rom-com. Mm-hmm. It's an 80s rom-com. There's a, and maybe that was more of a trope of the 80s, and it's less of that case in, like, the 90s and the early 2000s of the rom-coms. Because now I'm trying to think of, like, other ones that have, like, a romantic subplot, and I guess there is kind of, like, this a random shift in intensity yeah, I think at one point. Literally, the thing that just popped in my head right now is How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. There's some, like, drama in there. But right. it, it, I think that... Uh, romance before comedy that's why i would call it a rom right i don't think the drama of this movie plays all that well to uh-huh. be honest um because it, it almost feels out of place compared to all that other silliness yeah there's there's some slapstick in this yeah there's, a, there's, there's full-on cartoon sound effects yeah, the punch sound effects and <laughs> uh, eugene levy sorry uh, to go back to the plot is playing the antagonist of the movie he's a some sort of marine biologist who's trying to prove that mermaids exist and he's He's the cartoonish bad guy just trying to spray her with water yep. and catch her in the air. If, if someone like that he attacks her during the president, like Secret Service would have murdered that guy. <laughs> Long before he, he would have, not have been able to go to the dentist the next day. He no. would be in lockdown for yes. a month and a half. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Somehow they just let him go. <laughs> but the, the drama of this, I don't. I think it's a it has some weird tonal inconsistencies though. It's not bad. I'm not like saying it's it's so tonally inconsistent that it like draws me out of it. But I think a movie like this now, I mean Hollywood remakes everything. Mm-hmm. If they remade Splash, they would go they would go all in on the comedy romance, right? right? They wouldn't they wouldn't really play up the drama. I don't think a studio a studio dumb enough to remake this movie was right a, 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 too closely to the original. You mean and not just make a sequel like they did a couple years did later? Did they make a sequel? Splash Two T O O classic eighties oh, oh. trope of calling part two two as is in it, as well. Is it like another fish girl who? Yep. Okay, and not actually. I, I think it's supposed to be the same characters. Really? Well, the fish girl is Madison. Oh, Madison. Okay. Yeah. Which that was a fun little thing. Uh, so those who are in the know, uh, Top Shelf is. Home based in Madison, Wisconsin. This is so true. I didn't remember that was her name. So <laughs> I when... didn't think I didn't even think of it either, honestly, <laughs> until we were starting to watch it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Todd Waring plays Alan Bauer and Amy Yazbek. 
Everybody remember Amy Asbeck from the 80s and the early 90s? I do. How um, are you drawing from so much 80 <laughs> trivia, 80s trivia that I have no clue about? I just, this is one of those like weird things. Like apparently this movie is just pulling it. Yeah, Amy Asbeck. What is she? What is she? Um, everybody might know her the most from The Mask and Robin Hood Men in Tights. Uh, oh. She's made Marion in Robin Hood Men in Tights, is and she? she's the reporter Peggy Brand from is The she, Mask. She's, she's not John Ritter's wife, is she? Am I thinking of a different actress? She's a redhead, right? She's a redhead. Yep. Okay. Um, you know what? I actually was she on Wings? <laughs> that would be the uh, oh, not googling, googling, googling. Yes, she was. Yes. That's John Ritter's wife. Okay. Yeah. That you know what the funny thing is, I completely. There, I pulled some 80s trivia for you. I think it's not 80s wow. trivia. That's just general <laughs> trivia. <laughs> if I know anything, Jeff, it's uh, Hollywood spouses. Um, That's a weird thing to know. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, sorry. Back, yeah. to, the, back to the film. Uh, I, the film in general, I will say Ron Howard. Ron Howard is one of those directors I don't think people immediately think of when you think of some of the greatest directors working today, working throughout the decades. Uh he, you know, Spielberg and Hitchcock and Tarantino, like you throw out those names a lot. I don't feel like people immediately gravitate towards naming Ron Howard mm-hmm. as one of the great directors, but we will see more Ron Howard. Oh, in yeah. This library, uh, uh, Apollo 13, yep. um, the two uh, Da Vinci Code movies, oh, <laughs> the Langdon right. movies. I, I was literally thinking about that when we were sitting there. I'm like, we're going to watch the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, we are. Actually, isn't there three of them now? Is there three? I think there's three. Oh, yeah, because it's a Da Vinci Code, the Gods stuff. and Monsters, or Angels and, or Angels and Demons. Yeah. <laughs> Mazes and Monsters, <laughs> directed <laughs> by Ron Howard. <laughs> Little known fact, everybody. No. Uh, well, the thing is, like, when it comes to, like, Ron Howard films, I agree. I feel like most people couldn't just off the top of their head, like, they wouldn't think of him or name him. Mm-hmm. But, you know, everyone has seen his movies. Like, yeah. he's just one, like, you go, oh, what Apollo 13 or... Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Uh, he is an American institution in terms of filmmaking. Yeah. To, to come, uh, the fact that he's was from uh, Andy Griffith as Little Ronnie Howard and Happy Days and so on and so forth. Happy Days. That was the other thing he did in that 15 years. I completely forgot. <laughs> you weren't you in Ponzi before. <laughs> uh, but I, I was just joking. I knew right. <laughs> the, his directing is so something that I'm. I'm interested in because of his masterclass. If you've ever seen the advertisements Ooh, yes, for Ron I Howard's have, masterclass actually. and studying how Ron Howard makes films, his ability to block scenes and direct scenes in terms of how to move the actors around right out of the first, right out of the gate with the first scene of Tom Hanks, when he's talking to the guy about where are my cherries? Yes. Huh? Alan, where are my cherries? That scene was blocked really well. So I spent a lot of time watching the movie, seeing how Ron Howard moved the characters through scenes in conjunction with the camera. Right. Um, that's that's not something that I feel like a general layman movie watcher is going to pay attention to. But being so early in Ron Howard's career, and literally being his first major motion picture, not mm-hmm. a TV movie, uh, I was impressed by his his ability to to visually craft this film. Oh, yeah. It's not a, like a visually beautiful movie, but moving the pieces around the board, visually storytelling. But he also had... because. Uh, uh, he he had a knack with being able to marry in like a visual effects, like realistic, practical effects in a mm-hmm. live action movie, which I feel like for a lot of directors, a lot of directors have problems with that. And you can definitely see when like, well, these are this is a director that is only good at directing people and just actors on, you know, in, on a set. They're not they when when practical effects or visual effects or special effects of any kind get involved. Mm-hmm. I've seen certain directors 
kind of falter a little bit or they didn't properly it, it almost looked like it, they didn't use the 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 effect to its full potential or like they were just like i don't like this yeah. maybe and <laughs> kind of just goes the art team understood it but i didn't right right exactly <laughs> whereas this movie it he he blocked it in such a great way as you were saying and he's like every scene was working worked really well where even though there's underwater swimming with a mermaid tail you know like the the effect of the the scene when she she takes the bath in uh alan's apartment the first time mm-hmm. and it pans down and the leg goes from like flesh and it sucks in to form yeah. scales and that's all a one that's one shot of like it coming down you seeing that her getting in the bathtub mm-hmm. the camera going around to the end and the tail coming out and unrolling is all one little shot and that's really well done that it hid how they did it yeah and it's, it's it really impressive. believable yeah really, really impressive so for well done. a director early in his career but in particular what i love about ron howard is he's an actor's director mm-hmm. so we're, we're talking about his technical prowess so early that he he had the uh, at least the filmmaking acumen to to create these physical effects and practical effects and some visual effects as well right but uh, he's an actor's director and he can draw really great performances out of his actors because he comes from an acting background. Right. And Tom Hanks, he pulled some great stuff out of. Well, we'll talk more specifically about him in a moment. <clears throat> but uh, even Daryl Hammond, Hannah, not Daryl Hammond. That's the guy <laughs> from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Wait a minute, TC. We've already talked about how much butt we've seen and boobs we've seen. Now I'm really confused because... <laughs> That, that you didn't see a, a middle-aged man? I, I, that's what I see when I see Daryl. I'm sorry. I'm in the movie Shallow Hell. I did not see a middle-aged <laughs> man when I looked at Daryl Hannah. I looked at a beautiful plot. Uh, Shallow Hell. 90s reference. 90s. Yeah. Early, early 2000s. That's good. It's, it's a clip, not a slope. Yes, I just but, quoted but Shallow Hell. Where are we? Wow. Daryl Hannah. Uh, Daryl Hammond is in this movie. Our, <laughs> one of our listeners pointed out that she's a very underrated actress. Yeah. Talking about Ron Howard being an underrated director. Blade Runner. Right. Yeah. Uh, she had Splash here. Um, they referenced another one. I could bring it up on the Facebook page, but uh, Kill Bill to go further into oh, her gosh, career. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, she's she's great. She is so cute in this movie. I don't uh, I don't ever though she has like a naivete in her uh, being a fish out of water. Sorry. Um, <sighs> it's it's sweet. It's cute. It's 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 doesn't feel disingenuous that I don't feel like they're exploiting her as a sexy blonde. I feel right. like they're that she brought a really sweet performance to, to the character. They gave her a, a very like childlike, like not, not real bad child, especially, you know, like, since, like she's not like a tiny little kid right, but right. because she's got, she has like a childlike night naivete. Mm-hmm. How do you say that? That's right. right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to herself. <laughs> so I'm trying to sound like I know words people. Um, but like they gave that to her because she doesn't know. She doesn't understand how to speak when she first comes in. She doesn't right. know what Bloomingdale's is. She doesn't know what clothes are like. But then she learned and she evolved and she's very basic. And like she knows how Alan feels. Right. Like at all the times. Now, maybe that's just a mermaid power. But, you know, <laughs> really. But like she's even she's she's looking at the world in their relationship from the eyes of like a child she doesn't have all those world preconceived notions you know day-to-day activities that the rest of the world has you can see that it's like she's her performance as madison is just of somebody who 
doesn't know all that stuff and doesn't care and knows what she wants and knows what she has right in front of her. And that's all that matters. Yeah. It, it's, it's, a, it's hard not to compare this to little mermaid. I mean, they even made Ariel redhead because of the success of splash. Let's just, uh, let's just uh, really quickly mention a couple of the, uh, the, the common <laughs> threads there. Let's see here. A mermaid okay. falls in love with a man mm-hmm. who falls into the ocean after falling out of his boat in a white shirt, in a white shirt. <laughs> she saves him by taking him to the beach mm-hmm. where they Briefly are together on the on the beach and then she flees and leaving mm-hmm. him behind, yeah. having like only like a memory or a glimpse of her, as well as she has an underwater ship that she keeps all of her knickknacks in. Yep, all her stuff. And uh, she has a fixed number of days that she can be on land yep. before something that happens. <laughs> I did just generalize that yeah, last that's one. Okay. But yada 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 it. Yeah, yada 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 it. Um, so yeah, there's a that, that's that's all most of the there, connections. There's I also had. an important statue in the movie, right? <laughs> oh, so we got I can statue, see that. She gets them the fountain. Right, uh, I didn't think yeah. of that. Uh, there's. A <laughs> And even her misunderstanding of simple things in the in our world versus her world. <laughs> so there was it's hard not to compare the two. But in talking about Daryl Hannah's performance as Madison being sweeter, um, a little more developed than something like Little Mermaid, which is very baseline mm-hmm. fairy tale. I know there's criticism for Little Mermaid. Um, I will still stand that it's a beautiful film. It's <laughs> it's a very a, good. Yeah, film. Yes, we can criticize the story aspects right. of it, but I'm never going to criticize the music. <laughs> Go back and listen to our episode for that and watch me gush all over it. Um, so, but, yeah, yeah. No, I was just... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. But it, I was wondering if it's an 80s trope, and I think it is, for a non-English speaker from some other world to learn English by watching TV. Is that an 80s trope? Because I feel <laughs> well, like it let's is. Let's see here. It, you could argue it happened in short circuit. Yep. Um, Flight of the Navigator. Flight of the Navigator. Um, did they end up watching TV and coming to America? I know they already spoke English, yeah. but it was very broken. I couldn't remember if they ever did that. Coneheads? Oh, God. Was it co- Did they do it? I just feel like it's, it feels to me like, you know, uh, listeners throw that in the comments. <laughs> if there, if you can think of other movies where a character learns English from TV. Uh, oh, um, Better Off Dead, the two drivers. Uh, remember, he's always racing the two Asian brothers, yep, and they yep. learned by they learned English from Howard Cosell and Sports Center. That's right. <laughs> oh my gosh! So '80s trope. '80s trope. Yeah. We'll go, I'll, I'll make that. We make that official. <laughs> <laughs> also, apparently in the '80s, Madison wasn't a name. Nope. Because she. Oh, Madison. Oh, that's a name. That's not a. That's not a name. I mean, it was the last name of our president. There is. Uh, there is a popular theory though that this movie is the reason. There is a surplus of Madison's nowadays and why Madison is considered a girl's name mm-hmm. is because after this movie came, because think of it, this movie came out in 84. Okay. All right. So I'm born in 84 as well. Yeah. This movie came out about six months before I was born. Actually, almost six months of the day. Mm-hmm. I have known Madison's. Not a lot of them. Right. I've known one or two. And then as I've gotten older, I've heard of friends naming their children Madison or having like younger nephews and nie- or not nephews, but younger nieces mm-hmm. named Madison. Like I have heard that as a name. I, I know a couple actually. Right. So could this, your, the suggestion is that this movie put it into the pop culture, put it into the zeitgeist that it became a name that people would consider. I, I subscribe to that because though this movie wasn't necessarily like a massive success. Right. Tom Hanks careers just, 
as a trajectory that's not going to falter right. for a long time here. And also, the, uh, in all fairness, whenever I thought about Tom Hanks, not Tom Cruise, I almost said Tom Cruise, <laughs> that's going to happen. I want people listening to keep track of how many times I accidentally <laughs> say Tom Cruise no, on this podcast. No one's going to do that. No one will. I will. Three. Um, but the, uh, um, I, I feel like, so when you think of like a Tom Hanks filmography, mm-hmm. most people, if they're like, oh, I want to go watch like, I want to go watch one of his first films, they're going to probably watch Splash. Okay, I think in, maybe, in all maybe an older generation, yeah. right? Oh yeah, an older generation. Like if you're like, I'm what movie? What go watch Tom, one of Tom Hanks's first films? First off, this is gonna be way more accessible to people nowadays. <laughs> it's a little and yeah. Then Mazes and Monsters, <laughs> and he knows you're alone because yeah. even that movie, that's a like you you would only really know about that movie unless I, like you're I would in argue this is stuff. this is more yes absolutely um or if you're a real scream two fan oh yeah <laughs> uh, this I I would argue Splash is much more still a part of the the consciousness of pop culture mm-hmm. than something like now people are going to disagree with me on this but the Burbs and Bachelor Party for sure right like I think this one left more of an impact being this romantic comedy and that's the reason why right there yeah that's why it's still it's because it's a rom-com yeah the burbs is like a like it's a dark comedy yeah and we'll we'll get to those movies that we obviously don't have to like dig into them now but i think uh this movie has lasting lasting impact because it is it's it's a romantic comedy and um i will say this the the last like 20 minutes of it i do not remember. I you don't remember the last shot. I no, did. no. Oh my gosh! And we're gonna come to that too before we before we move on to talking about Tom and his performances. Uh, Tom Hanks, sorry. Um, but like the last twenty minutes, I don't remember it going all shape out of water or the shape of water. <laughs> sure. I mean, escape, where, escape, escape. It, yeah, where it's just like, oh, like they capture him or they capture her. They take her. I'm sorry, spoilers. I guess. For uh, that yeah, movie? It's, sorry, folks. If you sorry, no, I deal with it. Just made that connection. Um, come on, crying out loud. It's literally the creature of the Black Lagoon, people. Um. But good. But like, I didn't expect it to go that route. Holy crap. I actually just realized, okay, total spoilers. Stop listening for like five minutes. Sorry, you weren't spoiling Splash. You were spoiling Shape of Water. I was spoiling Shape of Water. (laughs) I just didn't even think that. Okay, so spoilers if you haven't seen Shape of Water because you're going to dig into this. Like, literally, the last 10 minutes of the film, like the last 15 minutes of the film, are all about Shape of Water. (laughs) Breaking him, breaking the fish out of the water. And then it ends up on a dock Mm -hmm. where. She's where she's gonna go and leave him behind, yeah. and, and that's then, just reversed. Yeah, and then ultimately they both go together, and they live in the water by them. <laughs> mm-hmm. no Shape of Water, not that original of a film now. Sorry, under the sea, <laughs> under the sea. I just Homer, we can't live under the sea. <laughs> For the last time, we can't live under the sea. Can't solve all your problems by moving under the sea. So there's a there's <laughs> sorry. A Anyways, I just really have that that, that, that revelation. That revelation. Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm a little so there, broken now. There's a a moment that I remembered very clearly from this movie, and that okay, it's weird. Uh, the in memoriam for the Oscars. Okay. I don't know if it was for the Academy Awards that way back in what '85. I would yeah. have been freaking four. He <laughs> uh, got me by <laughs> the. It must have been. It couldn't possibly have been that. I can't. I couldn't possibly remember something like this. But the John Candy saying waving and like having a cigar and waving. Oh yeah. When he's in the uh, Madison's t- uh, um, tank when they come rushing in, I remember that being used for. Oh no! It wouldn't have been eighty four. It would have it been, when, been when John like, Candy died. Right. So like ninety three. Whatever. Think, yeah. Whatever year he died 
they used that clip in his in memoriam. That would make sense. And I remember that very clearly of him just waving being what they used. So he died in 94. So it would have been it would have been in the 95 Oscars. So then, you know, even old, you would have been totally old enough at that point. So I very, very clearly remember that's what they used for for John Candy's in memoriam. Um, Let's go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Let's talk about John Candy's performance. Thank you, because that's exactly where I was going to go with that. I, I have a question for you. Yeah. Now. Or as the movie was starting, as we were getting a little deep into it and getting to know Alan, uh, Tom Hanks' character, getting to know Freddie, I didn't care for Freddie, but I couldn't decide if it was because I, the character is such a skis mm-hmm. or if I just didn't like John Candy in it. So that's one thing that I was thinking of as we were watching the film, but I'm like, obviously, the character of Freddie was not written for John Candy. There's no way you could tell me that that character was written for him, which I don't think so at this point in his career, because this was in the early 80s. He would have already been in things. Yeah, SCTV at the very right. least. Yeah. But he it, he hadn't reached that level of stardom yet where it was like, oh, I'm writing this movie for him. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm pretty positive Planes, Trains, and all. No, or Uncle Buck. One, Uncle Buck, one of those two. I mean, they were all John Hughes. But yeah. like those movies, I think he, I think John Hughes wrote one of those characters for John Candy Specifically to play. for him. Yeah. yeah. It also might have even, it might even be the guy, he, the character he played from home alone. <laughs> it really might've been him. Like, but I, but he hadn't reached that level of his career yet. So I was wondering, cause I'm like, this is supposed to be like a playboy, like, you know, a swing swinging, and I'm just like, no offense to John Candy. And it's cool they put they they cast him in the film as that character because they were kind of breaking stereotypes or they were breaking kind of like like what you would expect that type of character yeah. to be played by. But really, it, it's so gross. It's <laughs> just not right. I, and I love John Candy. He's another one of those actors I remember all the time from my childhood. But like, it's just not. He's and I think it might be him in the role. Now, having said that, though, this movie, you're there's look at your three main male actors. Mm-hmm. It's Tom Hanks, John Candy and Eugene Levy. Right. So you have three very, you could argue, very comedic actors mm-hmm. that are in these roles in a very kind of goofy movie. So it kind of works. I don't know if somebody else in that role would have played it off as well. And they might have just they might have come off being way darker or just way less funny of a role or caring of a role. I I I agree. I I think that he was miscast. And I, I honestly he probably brought a lot to that character that mm-hmm. wasn't in the script. It's John Candy came out of uh, a improv background. He came from Second City, Toronto. Right. Eugene Levy as well, along with Catherine O'Hara and Fred Willard and all the uh, <laughs> a lot of the Christopher Guest folks. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much all the Christopher Guest and the early Tim Burton uh, people. Martin, Martin Shorts. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Um, so John Candy had a presence at this point. I mean, he'd been in um, Stripes. Right. Oh, that's he had, right. He had a small role in The Blues Brothers. Yep. 1941, he was in that as well. Uh, that's the Spielberg. Yep. So he, he had been around, but looking at his filmography, I feel like this is his first big role. And I could kind of see his, because he, he died of a drug overdose. He was, he, he was came. also very overweight. Very overweight. He was Chris Farley and John Belushi. Like he came from that era of like yep. cocaine and, and booze. Yep. And- he just, just a little too much of him, I think. And I, I hate to criticize someone who has proven himself to be very, very capable mm-hmm. and funny. Um, and I, I will go back to crediting Ron Howard, probably reining him in pretty well. Right. But 
I, again, I don't know if it was the, the character was just so gross <laughs> or if I just didn't like how much John Candy. That was for the like by the end of it, especially mm-hmm. when he never sexualized Madison. Right. Uh, I started to I was like, you know what? This character isn't so bad. He, he kind of grew on me. His character does also kind of have like a tiny not an arc necessarily, but his character does kind of change a little because mm-hmm. I do feel like by that time when he is the one telling Tom Hanks his character, you know, do you remember how much you just loved loved her when you were with her? Right. It didn't feel like the same character. It almost felt like the schmoozing I got published in Penthouse character was a was like another brother. And then the one that's like, you love her, you know how much you love her was like a third. Like it was almost supposed to be like it was like twins or it should have been three <laughs> characters and they just combined his character into one. Or it like could have been three brothers. Yeah. yeah. Instead of being two well, like that almost would have made a little more sense. But then you would have had very just two-dimensional characters surrounding Tom Hanks's yeah. character. It's interesting because we, again, we're looking in, looking in the past here to, and knowing so much of what's to come for Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. Roger Ebert's review, he gave it a one-and-a-half star rating in 1984. He was disappointed because he thought the filmmakers really missed a huge opportunity. They should have cast John Candy as Alan and Tom Hanks as the supporting character because Tom Hanks is an unconventionally handsome leading man. <laughs> uh, he's He's... Well, it, it, like it's funny to think like that. Roger Ebert, the the legendary film critic, right. would say, "Oh, if only Splash had been John Candy in the lead role." Sorry, Mr. Ebert, I respectfully disagree. I would. <laughs> Can you imagine this movie with John Candy and they, especially knowing that John Candy would go off the ra- like improv, go off the rails, like he was he he wanted to be a sketch comedian, he right? That would have been a character sexualizing the the mermaid. That would have been a lot raunchier. That would have been a rated R movie. It would have been yeah. because you know what the the one movie that pops in my head of John Candy being the lead is funny enough uh, the other the other movie he did with Eugene Levy, Armed and Dangerous from the eighties. <laughs> from the eighties, TC. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, have not seen that movie. <laughs> dangerous uh, since I was honestly a like, man. I was probably before high school, but it was yeah from nineteen eighty six. But I just remember this movie being it's it's got to be rated R. I can sorry, I have to look now, but I'm pretty positive. It, oh, I'm sorry. It's PG-13, mm. but I guarantee you it's a hard PG-13. Nowadays, it probably nowadays, because I just remember it being just a little too much. And he was the main character in it. He was the main actor. And Eugene Levy played his comedic sidekick. Mm-hmm. And it just came off being way more harsh and I gr- that's why I agree with you by casting him as Alan. No way. I wouldn't have <laughs> cared. I, but I guess it's like, oh, but he's the big overweight guy it, and he's the down on the luck. Like, it doesn't like, surprise oh. me that Mr. Ebert would root for the fat guy to get the. Sorry. Right. Sorry. I don't want to be rude. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, come on. I mean, what did well, Cisco have to say? Does Cisco love Tom I, Hanks? I, I, I bet you find, he did. I couldn't find his uh, <laughs> Look, um. Here's here's something to discuss, because this is something we're going to hit on a lot in this podcast, and it's the team up. So we have Tom Hanks teamed up with his sidekick, John Candy. We're going to see Tom Hanks sidekicked with a lot of people through this library. And let's discuss their dynamic. And then we can actually segue into Tom Hanks himself as an individual. But how did you feel about the their chemistry, them matched up together as brothers? Like not necessarily the characters, because the characters I thought. They were written brotherly. I bought it. That was fine. Right. But how did you feel about Tom Hanks and John Candy as brothers? I definitely thought that they played off of each other well. 
for the couple times because they don't tend to have a lot of scenes together. They pretty much have that first one where he shows up with the penthouse magazine. They have the other one where in the restaurant after the wedding um, or I guess arguing during like the pre wedding ceremony, then the bar after the wedding. And then they have like the, well, the one that I keep referencing the you know, when you loved her scene. Yeah, and then yeah. also when he comes back to save him after yeah, she was found out, they do have, have a like good amount of time, five to scenes. Or, and then I guess the whole, like going to escape, the whole escape. <laughs> I guess the whole last 20 minutes of the movie, they're together. So you're saying they're in, in, in with each other quite they're a bit. In, they're, you know, what that little bit that I thought they were together, they're actually in it for a good 45 <laughs> minutes of the film. So I'll take that back. I don't know. I thought they played off of each other. Well, like mm-hmm. I could see that there was some, it to me, it looked like there was definitely some chemistry between them. Yeah. Um, I, they knew, kind of how to work with each other. And it did feel at least like they were friends, mm-hmm. maybe not necessarily brothers, right. but I don't so know if that was just the writing. Or- it, it could have been the writing. I think their chemistry worked really well. And I think what John Candy allowed Tom Hanks to prove is just how funny he can be. Mm-hmm. There's quite a bit of physical <laughs> comedy. With, I love when he goes and he hits the both elevators. Yes. And then he goes like stands in the middle and goes left, right, left, right. And then he bolts through. <laughs> uh, he's got when he's face down in the pretzels. Oh. Uh, all the oh, and John Candy's lines about like most people would have just reached so- for it. A sober person would have reached, <laughs> reached for it. My face is in the pretzels. <laughs> so what struck me about their scenes is their scenes weren't heavily edited. Those scenes played out in long takes. It's true. And when they were in the office, where when they were in the hallway trying to break in as the Swedish. Uh, so, so oh yeah, and they're also playing racquetball together. And when they're so playing. they were in the movie together for the majority <laughs> of the film. You were what movie did you watch? Well, uh, I watched the one with Darren Hammond as uh, uh, Daryl Hammond as the uh, the merman. Uh, so I I liked them as t- like previous to this, what we had freaking JJ from uh, uh, Monster- Mazes and Monsters. Yeah. No, no, not a good team. Um, and we had. Uh, uh, he knows you're alone. He's in it for all of a scene. Yeah. Like, hey, you want a goober? Uh, this, <laughs> this is our first entry into seeing him teamed up with somebody. Right. And I thought it it showed Tom Hanks's ability by having him go – probably someone from a very different school of comedy. Right. Tom Hanks came from television acting, different from the improv background, sketch comedy background, live uh, – not live because uh, SCTV was previously recorded. Mm-hmm. But uh, – Candy comes from Second City. He comes from a very different style of comedy. And to put those two together and for them to work so well together, I think that shows Tom Hanks' ability to adapt. Right. To We've now seen him in a very different genre now. Yep. This is a rom-com. This is not Mazes and Monsters. This is not He Knows You're Alone. This right. Is- at this point, he's definitely done for his character. You could look at it this way. For his characters in those first two films, he did a drama mm-hmm. character. And now he's doing the full-blown, like, leading man Comedy with like a little bit like a, with a love B plot, you yeah. know, and anything he might have learned from Bosom Buddies at yes. this point is he's totally. And that's exactly what I was going to bring up. The fact that we while we discussed Bosom Buddies because he did Bosom Buddies between He Knows You're Alone and uh, Mazes and Monsters, even though this is two more years after Bosom Buddies ended, you could definitely see the comedic chops he learned like shining through a little bit mm-hmm. from he honed that, he honed that yep. his, his ability here he's a leading man now there's yeah. no doubt here i think though at the time ebert gave this a rough review saying that tom hanks is fine this is a very conventional plot there's nothing really a dynamic or not a lot of chances taken in this movie he's a tv actor it doesn't matter that we've watched two other movies with him in it. Like I just did air quotes guys. Um, but like, he's really if like for somebody like Roger Eber, this is like the first big thing that's coming out. That's going to be noticed. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, 
unfortunately, a lot of times TV actors back in the day, TV actors making the jump from TV to film was not a common thing. And they always tended to struggle with that a mm-hmm. lot. And they were like, no, you're on TV. You're made for TV stuff, you know, and but then just the reverse was also very looked down <laughs> upon movie actors did act in television lower myself to the tube yes. <laughs> i also love that they're fancy enough that they talk like that but they still, still call, call it the, the tube, tube. <laughs> <laughs> tom hanks has proven himself as a leading man this i he carried this film very believably so i found him i, I he's he's i i don't think we're gonna see i'm blah, 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 blah. i'm waiting for us to see a movie where we can really criticize him oh yeah and i know that's maybe unfair that we're we're being we're wearing our love for him on our sleeves, but I I can see him. He has room for improvement, of course. I yeah. mean, like he's still becoming the person that led us to do a podcast about him. And but, that's 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 one big thing. I, if I want to criticize something about him in this film, we're talking Tom Hanks, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, the drama moments while they worked. His performance is still rough. Yeah, I think of when she's getting when she finally reveals a mermaid in front of all the people, and he's just standing there like a doof, like, yeah. oh, I'm in shock. I'm in shock. I, eh, it's not as and that's that goes to the script, that goes to the direction, that goes to Tom. Right. But there's a couple of there's a number of elements there playing out that why that doesn't work. You know, get in there. I'm just watching. I'm like, dude, don't just stand there. Yeah. Save your girl. Save your girl at that point. You said you loved her. You've asked her to marry you. Get in there. (laughs) Hey, stop taking pictures. Get out of here. It should have been more of that. I mean, I've got, again, though, like you were saying, that all bases it on the script and the direction they would have gone with the film. Save her, damn it. (laughs) But like, even, even when he was upset with her at the ice skating rink, like there, I understood that he was angry and he was upset, Mm -hmm. but he also gave like no expression. And he's just kind of skating around. It was a real very snap. Blank. It was a real snap from this to that, like very yeah. bipolar. Um, yep. To go from his loving comedic to I'm 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 upset now. I'm upset. And again, that could very well be the writing and the directing, but well, it well, was like those were. I, I just noticed it a couple times. It was like that side of his performance was a little weak compared to the comedic side of yes. his stuff, which I thought his comedic stuff he did great at. His physical comedy his physical was great. Comedy, that whole yeah. bar scene is his good. His delivery of some of the verbal sparring is great. Uh, I, I, I also think that he believably fell in love. Like I could I could I believed his love for this, in this very fairy tale type movie. Right. That uh, he was, he was, there was it was a genuine love in him and very it's that constant charm we've been discussing three episodes in a row now oh yeah that he's he's just a likable guy and uh a a nice credit to the script we go back to talking about john candy he tells his brother everything like there's no hiding the truth from like if you think of another movie of this similar type of this similar era I'm not going to tell anyone that in the middle of the night this mannequin comes to life. You know, maybe tell one person so you don't look like an insane idiot. The crazy gay black guy who works the front the front room. Of yeah. course. Yes. So it's uh, it's I like that he he told his brother and was open about it. And he believably struggled with trying to understand why she's is she just trying to get a green card? Maybe she's trying to get a green card. We should go get tested and then we can get married tomorrow. But what? I love you brought up Mannequin because <laughs> no one talks about the movie Jeff, Mannequin. T- tangent here, okay? Remake Mannequin. Just flip, flip the, the genders. genders. Flip the genders. Right? Because, 
boy, would that be a problem now? <laughs> <laughs> um, also, uh, remember Mannequin is- 2 with the guy's the mole thing? Yes. And he's got that long hair. I yes. Like, I'm just... <laughs> We don't talk ill of the bad sequels. People people complain about sequels being made of their movies nowadays that don't deserve them. Yeah. Look at the 80s. The 80s and the early 90s would make sequels to movies usually two to four years later, but with a completely different cast because no one wanted to be back. You're not the child like Empress. You don't even look like her. <laughs> <laughs> did, did he have a hint of an accent? Was there a hint of Tom Hanks having a New York accent in this? I think he was trying. Just like th- a little, little bit. bit. Which is funny because he's from California, so that means he was trying to have a New York accent. Well, the, the movie is in New York, right? True. So uh, I just thought maybe in the first couple scenes it kind of – just like – not like he was laying it on real thick like, hey, what are you doing with these cherries here? It's he, like, he is very much so like on the docks working like a fisherman's wharf like yeah. warehouse manager. Yeah. So I feel like his his natural Billy Joel is going to just come out <laughs> and he's just going to start, you know, you know, hey, trying to talk like he's like he's from there. That's all he's done. You know, it doesn't – Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, a little bit. A little bit a there. A couple of words slipped out, I think, yep. and I'll give him a tip of the hat for, for committing to that every now and then. <laughs> Committed, committing to it for the first half of scene one. It's no uh, <laughs> Kevin Caster, British accent, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Just stop. You know, it's not that. But I, I could have sworn maybe a couple times there's a hint of a. It would have only been that bad if at any point he went, I'm a blood, like a born and raised New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> but said it exactly like that. So people were just like, no, you're, no, you're not. I, you didn't even say it. I'm right. glad he didn't. We will get to hear accents from Tom Hanks, but not in this one at least. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, he just worked at the docks. Maybe he was just trying to uh, appeal to his fellow New Yorkers when working. But then sure. he gets upstairs, has a conversation with his brother, with ends with, I have a system with my desk. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite quotes in this movie. <laughs> that one in The Little Boat. <laughs> um, let's see. So a couple other things here. The Tom Hanks seems to have a superpower of going to New York to a very large landmark location yes. and being able to have a location happen here like a uh, locating uh, like a sonar like ability we just saw him go to the world trade center and get tracked down by his three friends yep and this one he goes to bloomingdale's and finds her like finds that. her like that we're gonna find more ex- more experiences where he i don't know goes to the top of another famous new york landmark and happens to find the woman that he wants to fall in love with also he had well he of course he tells the other one same lady, different movie, tells her to meet him at that park in New Which, York. Oh, I just, on. I know, I, I didn't even know what you're talking about. Like, what other movies is he going to do this in? But I'm, I'm recalling now. Um. <laughs> Come on, TC. <laughs> uh, we got the World Trade Center in here again. Again. Actually, yep. I wanted to talk about this because you pointed out that the original poster of this had the World Trade Center yep. on it. And then when they re-released this on what, DVD, Blu-ray or whatever, post-2001, yep. they removed the two towers. Right. How do you feel – this is a different conversation than than talking about this movie in particular. But how do you feel about movies that do that, that erase the World Trade Center? I know that they think they're being sensitive. Right. Right? But I think leave it. Like let me see the Twin Towers on the Superman DVD cover. Let me see the Twin Towers on the Splash poster. Like right. why, why erase that? It would be it, – it's – it's one of those things where like, okay, because obviously there's a lot of movies that were in production that came out slightly before, right like right near it or slightly after, even up to like a year or two after 9-11 happened. And those movies, okay, 
I get it if you at that time are are removing the trade the World Trade Trade Centers off the covers or out of the movies because right. a lot of movies digitally erased it. Spider Man, um, Spider Man did. Uh, Lilo um, and Stitch redid their whole climax to, right. to get rid of the, just the. Pl- I guess that wasn't the World Trade Center, but adapting immediately after. Right, hundred percent. I, I agree with that. For all these. All the films that came out pre 9-11, like, and I mean substantially pre-9-11, right, this we're, movie we're came out 16 or 17 years before 9-11 happened. Right. You know, why? Like, because why are you removing it from the cover? Yeah. Like, again, I get it. Like you were saying, like, I get that they're trying to probably trying to be sympathetic mm-hmm. or sensitive like, to or it. Or sensitive yeah. to yeah. it. But like this movie was from the 80s and it's in the movie. You taking it off the front cover is not going to if you're worried about somebody getting upset because they're going to see them taking off the front cover is not going to stop that because it's literally the first scene after we come out of the flashback in the film Mm -hmm. it's an establishing classic establishing shot of new york every establishing shot in new york city until 2001 was brooklyn like the brooklyn bridge or george washington empire state building uh, um, uh, statue of liberty and world trade center that's what you had Every and so it's in this way like three or four times. So you removing it from the cover is not going to prevent that from. Yeah. And so many of them did this. And the funny thing is, not that's not a funny thing, but it, what happens now is that I'm so like so conscious, like self conscious, or not not self conscious, but so conscious of the fact that they do remove it. Mm-hmm. That when I know a movie was made pre nine eleven and it takes place in New York, and your cover now shows the uh, Empire State Building, you're gonna as, look. I'm like. You totally had the Twin Towers on here Didn't before, you? Didn't Did you? it too. And sure enough, you Google it and you will find most of the time those posters have the World Trade Center in the background and the skyline. And that just feels that feels more disrespectful. Yeah. To I, me in some ways. It's a, it's a tricky subject and it's a tricky topject, uh, subject to talk about. Yeah. Tricky topic to talk <laughs> about. But, but yeah, it's it's something that strikes me every now and then. And this is just a movie that I could bring it up. And particularly because we've gone two movies in a row set in New York, set that, in New York. the World Trade Center is part of it. I, I'm just curious why why people think that is the case. If there's if there's a really good reason to do it, if people think that's a good idea. I I am from uh, don't be I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I understand why something like Spider-Man would remove, don't show that trailer. Come on, we lost these buildings. Yeah. Um, it's it's just interesting to me that the eight, movies of the of the 80s and 90s feel compelled to remove it. Right. So. Well, considering that we're in, we're in a world or at least we're in a country that likes to like – hold on to and restore things from the past and not let things go. But, you know, <laughs> like we have historical landmarks, historical stuff. That's a big thing that we do yeah. to, yes, we lost those buildings from a very tragic event, mm-hmm. but to then go basically it's in my head, it'd be like us going back to all the photographs in New York and like erasing the buildings, Just erase it from because history. it's like, we don't want anybody to see these and get upset by it. You're erasing a part of our history mm-hmm. when we're so dedicated to remembering stuff. You know, interestingly enough, it just struck me that we're going to actually get a nine 11 movie with Tom Hanks in it. Extremely loud and incredibly close is a world. It's a nine 11 film. I oh. just remembered that. So something we will discuss in the future, specifically in regards to that movie. I don't want to drag down, this by by dwelling on that too much longer, but it literally just struck me wow. that we would we'll, we'll have we will have a much longer conversation about this very subject um, further down the road. So interesting, yeah. Um, so overall, Tom Hanks uh, in this, I'm really I really 
you know, I, I guess uh, of all the movies we've watched so far oh, on this list. <laughs> you did it. TC, you did it to me. Of all the movies we've watched so far. So this is number three. This is number we've three. We've had Mazes and Monsters, we, we, which we... You reluctantly agreed to put better than, <laughs> than uh, uh, he knows you're alone. I, I very easily put it as the as number one. Where are you going to put Splash? Why are you doing this? You are not seriously considering not making Splash your number one right now, are you? Um, I'm crossing my arms. So right. I didn't like the mermaid subplot. No, um, no, no, I'm not. Um, I just had to do it because I knew how much crap you, oh, man. you took from me. Like, you should have seen his face, folks. It. He was like, he was tricking me. I was committed to the. Committed. I'm, commi- I'm committed to the bit. This is uh, this. Is <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Splash is out of the three movies we watched so far. Splash is just handedly <laughs> you. It's not in comparison. He's he knows you're alone and mazes and monsters are just like like here you can't see this imagine a ground mm-hmm. yeah and they are laying flat on the ground next to each other yeah and then this movie is up in the clouds somewhere <laughs> okay, it's up here like it's yeah. up here you know it's at least here. above the water above the water yeah oh <laughs> it's a splash above the rest yeah oh, i know it's yeah. it's it's a wave Sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, see, where would you put it? No, on this, no, this is number one. There's yeah. no argument about it here yeah. because this is the first. I feel the first legitimate movie film it's we've watched. Almost so a far. real movie. <laughs> yeah, I I can tell you that in the long run, this won't go. This won't. I don't see this making it in the top ten that we create in top shelf. Mm, There's so no. many more movies coming. Um, I do. I do like this. I think this movie's sweet. I think there's enough goofiness in here that if you haven't seen this or you haven't seen it in a long time, right. go back and watch it. Uh, for those of you who mentioned watching this a lot, <laughs> I think it'll hold up to your love oh, yeah. of it. Because that's the thing. Despite the fact that it is very 84 and it does have a lot of dated tendencies oh, in it. The, the music in this, once again, I got. I wonder this. Sorry, another tangent, yep. tangential conversation so point. Do you feel... That we will hear songs and scores from now in another 30 years and just roll our eyes at how dated they sound. You know, it is possible because you could technically argue that that's already happening with the, like oh, the, the sound the Inception from Inception. Realm. <laughs> how that thing was the biggest thing in everything and it's already become a joke. Yeah. And Inception's only, what, five, six years old? Well, older than that. Is it? Yeah. Um, I think that... Um, I think yes, we, oh, it's eight years old. Yes. Holy cow! I'm we, old. There, there's certainly going to be movie soundtracks like that. I don't like karaoke movies like Sing, or okay, or, yep. or movies that lean heavily like Trolls. Like I don't like movies like that because right. I feel like they're really just asking for to date themselves. Like I like movies with more original music to them. Oh yeah. But even then, that original music is is going to date itself. I, ref, I mentioned the Rescuers last week. Mentioning it again, like uh, the the score aspect of of Splash is so. There's like a synthesizer one where they're oh wandering the streets together, and it just struck me as I'm I'm curious how the movies we love now will will date themselves, right? Um, like you you brought up something something that's a very 80s thing is when a heist. Or like breaking in, or like there's a mission moment. It's the snare drum. It's the snare. It's the snare like taps almost, not necessarily taps, but yeah, it's the whole military thing. That thing that always happened in like the late seventies yep. and the eighties comedies. Basically, I think I know why. 
Because you want you wondered why that doesn't happen anymore. I think it happened in this era that we're currently in mm-hmm. as an homage to the wartime era that all these filmmakers came up in. Right. Right. So much like we get a lot of funk and disco and like 80s and late 70s, early 80s music currently. Right. And we're definitely swinging into the 90s nostalgia now. Right. In cinema. The 80s would have had the nostalgia for the the cowboy western and the war movies of yesteryear. So that that drum little tappy tap thing was an homage to that old era of films that Which, had things like The Great Escape and yeah. Which I never I would have never as a kid would have made that <laughs> no connection. Way. No and, way. and even as an adult, no, that makes complete sense. That's exactly why that would have been there. I just always remember it being a thing from the 80s because it's in stripes. It's in Armed and Dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think it's even in Short Circuit at one point. I feel <laughs> like like something like that is in it. But yeah, it was such a trope. It was such a thing that those movies did back the in the day. Mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you always had the military. Oh, my gosh. You all know what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I think that we're once again, we're seeing the the ability of Tom Hanks growing. Mm-hmm. And, um, I I don't know. I mean, so what do the listeners think? That's what I want to know. Yes. Did, did you rewatch Splash? Do you have any love for Splash that you might not have sent our way before we recorded? I'm going to head over to Facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod to it. see if we happen to get any, get any comments before we recorded today. So each Monday before we record, we will throw up. <laughs> our lunches before recording. Oh. No, we will throw up a, a post splash. on Splash. Or, <laughs> Jen, would you tell the people what we do? Yes. You so, tell the people what we so do. So every single week, every Monday, before we go ahead and record, TC or myself, usually it's TC, just for little insider tips, we'll go ahead and post on the Facebook page that Top Shelf, or sorry, Facebook.com slash Top Shelf Top Shelf Pod. <laughs> Son of a mother. Uh, no swearing this week, guys. Um, but uh, no, on Facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod. We'll make a post to let you know that we're going to be recording later tonight. We usually record on Mondays, Monday evenings. And we'll post about what movie we're going to be talking about. And if you guys have any questions or comments or memories or thoughts or just anything in general about the movie we're going to watch, go ahead and post them below the post. Or, you know, ask us. We'll definitely try to read them. We'll get them on the end of the episode's Pretty much every week, yeah. unless for some reason we banked an episode. <laughs> and, uh, and and we love engaging in the comment section after the fact. So, again, if you didn't just Absolutely. mention it, hit us up on Wednesday after the post goes up. And let us know if we missed anything or answer any of the questions we threw out there or hashtag us. We, we yep. didn't come up with a hashtag. For we did not. We should come up with one. <laughs> Fish out of water. Ah, <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. So uh, we did get a comment here from Thomas. Thomas, thank you as always for listening. Uh, not sure how much of a hot take this is, but this may be better than Mazes and Monsters. Funny guy. <laughs> Funny guy. Okay, in all seriousness. Thomas and I are the same person. <laughs> he did say it's one of the first signs that Tom Hanks is a movie star and very enjoyable oh. in his comedy all around. Though, he does think, honestly, Daryl Hannah outshines him and is a delight. I agree. I think that, I don't know if she necessarily outshines him, but uh, we did she praise did her really for her good performance. Job. She's... Um, she did. She did quite a good job. Um, I, I will definitely agree with Thomas when he's saying like this is this is the you know this may not be Tom Hanks's best performance. Obviously, it's his third film in, um, but you can definitely see potential. You see a lot of potential in him, and you mm-hmm. go, yeah, no, I would really like to watch that man act in more movies. And Keep it coming, Tom. Yeah, You're leading like, okay. man over here. You didn't disgust me the entire time. <laughs> you weren't just like he's boring. Where's John Candy? Like it never happened at any point during the film. Uh, Thomas also asks, do we do would we consider Ron Howard to be one of Tom Hanks' best collaborators. 
Do, uh, do we feel that uh, they usually bring out the best in each other in ways you could argue that Scorsese and De Niro um, is, oh, you know, it, much like Scorsese and De Niro. It's, um, it's fine. For you. Okay. Um, well, I, we only have him right here, but right. how many, let me think. I just looked it up. Okay. I had, cause I had to look it up because oh, okay. I could only remember, I only remembered Apollo four 13, of them. The two, uh, the three Da Vinci Code films. Did they make a third one? Yes, they did. They really did. Is Inferno. it Lost Symbol? No, Inferno. it's Inferno. Oh my God. I didn't From even see that From two years ago. Yeah, so I did. four. <laughs> what other, how is And Splash. And Splash. So there's yeah, five. There's five total. Okay. To be determined, because right yeah. now I'm I'm fresh with Splash. I think that they did collaborate quite well with each other. Mm-hmm. I I almost think that it's too early in Tom Hanks' career to to say that he he brought anything great out in Ron Howard. I okay. think that that the everything that works in this movie from Tom Hanks' performance, how this directed the great car chase sequences that yeah. are surprisingly in this movie. What's- so why that last 20 minutes of the movie just feels so <laughs> weird and out of place almost. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to give that to Ron Howard as, as a competent, competent director this early in his career. When we come back to the other movies that these guys work with mm-hmm. on each other, let's reevaluate this question. So um, TBD? We'll, TBD. Ask us again <laughs> if we forget, Thomas. Thank you for the question. It is very funny, apparently, just quick, just because this is the way my head works and I find this entertaining. Splash is from 84. The next time we will see Ron Howard work with Tom Hanks is in Apollo 13 from 1995. The next time after that would be The Da Vinci Code from 2006. So they wait 11 years before they make another movie together. And then they made the Da Vinci Code trilogy, <laughs> which just messes that timeline up completely. I don't think any of them liked making that. <laughs> Actually, I don't think so either. <laughs> I'm pretty well, positive. we'll get there. We'll get there, folks. So uh, if you do want to hit us up, facebook.com slash Top Shelf Pod. Mm-hmm. But you can also hit me up on Twitter at TC's Big Head. And you can hit up Jeff. At Random Bell. R-A-N-D-O-M-B-E-L-L. Just because... Random Bell. Not everybody pay remember. Random Bell. Rando Mbell. Rando Mbell. That's my <laughs> stage name, everybody, just in case you wanted yeah. to know. So, yeah, hit us up if we missed anything in this episode and discussing Flash. Uh, Flash. <laughs> <laughs> I love Splash. the second Queen song in this movie. The <laughs> <laughs> Flash Gordon, another 80s reference, and Queen. Tom Hanks of the Universe. Uh, well, what are we watching good, next week, Tom <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, next week, our number four Tom Hanks film, we're mm-hmm. maintaining, we're fully in mm-hmm. to the feature-length actual films. Yeah. Not There's the no turn it back. No there will more. be no more TV no movies. No more TV movies. The, the second 1984 film from Tom oh, Hanks. okay. I almost said Tom Cruise again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a movie that I think I've only ever seen 10 minutes of, so I'm excited to watch this one. Bachelor Party. Bachelor Party. I have never seen this. See, I think I've only ever watched a couple minutes of it on television. Okay. Now I'm I'm hesitant to ask. Do we know if he's a, a leading man in this? I know he's on the cover. <laughs> Is this one of those things where, like, after the fact, he became a star and then they put him center on the cover? We will find out. We TBD. will find out. Nobody you know spoil what? it for me. I don't want to see it in the comments. Don't <laughs> tell me if he's in this five minutes. I want to discover that on my own. Mostly because I think TC wants to play. The game, the classic game that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Is that Tom Hanks? Is that Tom Hanks? <laughs> <laughs> so that will be next week. That'll be next week. Yes. I'm, I'm excited to see that one because I have no memory of that film Excellent. at all. A raunchy 
sex comedy, right? Can't wait for it. It's yes. Comedy. Yes. Tom Hanks Come sex on. comedy. It's an 80s film. It's gotta be. It's an 80s comedy. It has to be a sex comedy. It's gonna be so many boobs. Uh-huh. PG-13 yeah, PG-13 boobs, <laughs> which is a lot of boobs. One last piece of uh, news. Yes, yes. For those of you out there who are wondering, this podcast is, in fact, now on Apple iTunes podcast. Yes. Yep. So feel free to go on over there. We'll actually, I'll make a special uh, post on the pay, on the Facebook page with a link so that way you guys can, can subscribe to it. Like, subscribe. Reviews, Reviews are nice. Are we don't mind those nice. at all. Those help. Mostly just because we like, you know, reading <laughs> once like every three years when I do check the reviews. But please do write them because it helps the helps other people like your fine selves mm-hmm. find this podcast, well, yeah, which so, is what yeah. we want. Thank also, you. We're go, our goal is... For Tom Hanks to find out about this podcast, yes. So that way we, we could, have plans. We have plans. We have plans. That we would like to 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 do with Mr. Hanks. Yes. So the more reviews we get, the more attention we get. Yes. The more chances we are we will get to get in touch with Mr. Hanks and ideas, folks. We have the ideas. ideas. We have the ideas okay. that we cannot tell you yeah. now. We're gonna wrap it up. So now. we will wrap it up. So Jeff, go awesome. Thank you, TC, for being here yet yeah, again. Let's, let's another audibly week. high five. Audibly. Because oh, we're man. in the same room yes. together. Yay! <laughs> man, we're going to try that one time when we're not in the same room together, yeah. and it's just going to be sad. I'm just going to fall out of my chair. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> this has been a podcast. We are the folks you've been listening to. That's not right. Damn it. This is our sign-off. <laughs> you know, write it down. I should write it you down. You should write it down. Um, or, I mean, yeah, you should yeah. just write it down. Should write it down. <laughs> This is, a, this, is a, this is a podcast for the people you've been listening to. See, this is a sign off. There you go. See, we've done about like a hundred episodes, or I guess we've only done point. 65, 70 episodes at this point. So really. We took that break. It was the break. <laughs> we faded out. We did. <laughs> <laughs>This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.